I'm Will Hedrick. And I'm Jordan Schaffer. And this is Dog Ears and Timestamps, a book club podcast. We're reading it all with y'all. <laughs> when? <laughs> <laughs> We're reading it all with y'all. Okay. <laughs> I understand you at first. <laughs> yeah, this is, uh, this is episode two of Beacon 23. It's good, man. It's getting, right along. getting better. Two thirds done. Yeah. It's, uh, I'm glad that it's as short as it is. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's not a lot happening. Right, yeah. And if this went on for as long as we did uh, Neverwhere, then I would, I mean, it would drive me crazy probably. Yeah, it'd be boring would, to listen to. By it. episode four, I would be like, ready for it to be over. Yeah. It's like, the, the writing's good, and I'm enjoying it for the most part, but it's good that it's as short as it is. Yeah, it even seems like there's a bunch of redundant chapters, like a few times he's just like relaying the same info, like, hey, just so you know, he is super like this or whatever, you know, like... I don't want to say yeah. anything because we'll, we'll go over it. But, uh, yeah, there does seem to be, and maybe it's just because because the chapters are so short, it's easier for, it, or it, it, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that like while he is reiterating the same things a couple of times, mm-hmm. it's like two chapters are a conversation and the general topic is how he's fucked up about such and such. Yeah. But each chapter is a different statement within that conversation. Okay, I can see that. So you would bring up the same point even in a different conversation. Potentially, yeah. yeah. Or just um, like the two points of the same idea in a conversation. Um, there you go. Something like that. I, okay. That's, I, that's how I kind of feel about it. Um, and it, it works more or less just because the chapters are short enough to mm-hmm. make it work in, for, for that format to work. Yeah. Um, but it's, yeah, uh, it's, 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 it's getting a bit too much. Uh, at, at the end of this section, there seems to be a bit of a breakthrough, so maybe we'll move on to another thing at mm-hmm. this point, but who knows? Yeah. Anyway, how was, uh, how was your week? When did you read? How'd you read? I, uh, how long did I read? I was trying to break it up, especially when I realized that we were going to need to record a day earlier than typical. Yeah. Recording um, on a Monday. Yeah. On a Monday. It's Monday night football tonight, not baseball. Uh, World Series starts tomorrow. But do we even really care? We don't because it's the Giants and the Falcons, and uh, the Giants are terrible. Aren't they the most popular team in baseball? Oh, I'm talking about football right now. Oh, the shit. game that's I'm on. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> I was back on no. baseball. I uh, baseball know. is Red Sox and Dodgers. Oh, okay, so you kind of care. Yeah, I'm a adopted Sox fan. Yeah, and I really don't like the Dodgers. Yeah. So I've got every reason to pay attention. It's a team I like and a team that I hate. So <laughs> My brother and I got into talking this weekend because um, I saw him on Sunday. We talked about baseball. And uh, neither I don't think either of us really know that much about baseball. I mean, I've never even played it. Like, literally, mm-hmm. I've never played a game. Like, I've seen games played, but that's it. Did you never go out with us when we would go to the fields behind the high school? Yeah, but we never even played a game then, really. Yeah, we didn't. Yeah, it was just like... Yeah, it was just sort of... Because none of us could hit for shit, so... (laughs) Nobody could pitch, either. It was like the few people that ever played baseball, like Sam, and if he could bring Chance along, which he usually could, so... Like, they could pitch, but then nobody could really hit the ball, and... Um, once in a while like a ball got hit to first base and then I was like okay we grew out so <laughs> but uh, we were talking and my brother was like I'm pretty sure that all professional sports are rigged <laughs> I was like really he was like yeah if you ask any Astros fan about the the game that like the the turning game of like when they lost there was a definite two runs that they should have still gotten uh, <laughs> no, that was even as a big Astros fan that's just fans being mad about stuff it probably so what happened was uh, there was a in the first inning uh, Jose Altuve hit what would have been a home run but the umpires called fan interference oh what does uh, that mean they caught the ball or something yeah mm-hmm. so. Um, Mookie Betts 
who plays uh, right field for the Red Sox, went up to try and grab it out of the crowd as it was landing in the crowd, which you can totally do. Mm-hmm. But he misses it, and there was a fans that were trying to grab for it, and there was like some a little bit of jostling. So like I get the argument of fan interference. So they gave the out rather than what would have been a two run home run, mm. which would have changed the course of the game. Who knows if we would have actually won? Because right. you, you never know. You can't look at the end of the game and see oh they lost by two. If they had had that two home the two run home run, they would have tied it and taken it into extra mm-hmm. innings and maybe won. No, because that changes the course of what happens after oh, that. Oh, for sure. So who knows what happens. But in my opinion, fan interference is a stupid fucking rule because you're already going out up to steal an out back, basically. So if you've got to reach into the crowd <laughs> yeah, to, steal the, over. to steal that out, then you've got to deal with what's in the crowd. So even if it had been something, if it was the tables turned and it was fan interference and the Sox didn't uh, get the home runs and got it out, I still would have said that's bullshit. I hate the ruling of fan interference. I think that's a garbage fucking rule. But yeah, in any case, yeah. I mean, there probably is some degree of rigging in sports. I mean, there more or less is. Uh, a, a long time ago, there was a, a head coach in football that got in a lot of trouble for, or no, I'm sorry, a baseball who got in a lot of trouble for betting while he was the head coach oh. of the Cincinnati Reds. So, you know, there's a lot of uh, question as to whether or not he would put his best lineup out on some nights if he had a bet going on that right. game, things like that. So obviously that sort of stuff does happen, but it's not to the degree some that play, any... Some plays that are questionable, like, why yeah. would he save that guy when we could still be using him? And, right, you know, yeah. Well, okay, I could see there's that. There's some question as to whether or not that actually happened. He says it didn't, that he was just addicted to gambling and continued to do it while he was head coach, but how can you trust him? Um, yeah, especially if you got your foot in the in the game, like, and you can actually change the course of like you winning or losing, like, of right, course yeah. you're gonna mess with it, like, of <laughs> yeah. course. But it, it's not to the degree that any distraught fan will have you believe that it yeah. is. You know? <laughs> uh, so you said you spread out your reading throughout the week. Yeah, I, well, I, I, I tried to start earlier, knowing that it would be a day earlier. Yeah, I think I probably read like three or four chapters each night, starting like on Thursday night or something like that, as opposed to procrastinating, like I tend to. Like, I, I usually procrastinate on everything, so... Okay. Uh, but I, I put it out a little bit more than I did on my notes today. Thankfully, doing notes on the day of recording is a lot easier with this book because you can just blaze through that shit with everything being as short as it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and there not being a lot that happens in any, any given chapter. It's mostly dialogue and introspection. Yeah, and even even self-introspection, it seems like... Uh, introspection? Introspection oh, is okay. always self-introspection. I just didn't intro, intro, I don't know, intra, like A, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I they're know all different. Yeah, no, it seems like there's a lot of pieces in the book that it makes you just, like, you stop and you have to think, like, kind of about yourself, like, if you were in that situation, and then is this guy going crazy or not still? Because it almost feels like right. he still kind of is going crazy as we're reading, but, well. That's definitely something that we have to keep in mind the mm-hmm. whole time, because he's done it already. Is um, there anything fun this week, though? Just no. work, work <laughs> yeah, and just, read. Just working, reading, football. Typical American week. What was going on with you? Well, we did the podcast on Tuesday, and then I didn't listen to it on the way home, or uh, even that next day. I just sort of spent the next couple of days just like, okay, I'm going to listen to whatever I want. So I started listening to other podcasts, and yeah, just super normal work week. It sounds like some drama's going down at some of the other stores, but my store's still yeah. good, so and, uh, <laughs> It's always fun to hear about other stores and what's going on. Yeah. Um, that happens in Best Buy up here because there's several Best Buys, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of shit that was going down in B-Cave about six months ago, and that was fun to get the you know through the grapevine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little bit of gossip. It almost feels like high school again. <laughs> like, uh, right. so high school, we're <laughs> gossiping about each other. But, uh, 
Yeah, that was cool. And then uh, there was this like work party or whatever that they were having like during the day, and I thought it was gonna be awful with like really loud live music and just like awful annoying games mm-hmm. and like tons of people and just nobody happy. But it was it was nice. It was just one dude with like an acoustic guitar that they plugged into a little amp, and he's just chill- chilling playing soothing music and uh it was, it was nice and then sunday i went to go visit my brother because he has uh old doors that we turned into doggy door doors oh yeah so uh, mm-hmm. he doesn't have a dog and I, i've got a lot of dogs <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so i went to go get the dog door from him and uh you know dude i don't know if i have a freaking custom door size on the house or what but i think the door is two feet six inches and the door that I have, like the door that's on the wall or on the house, is two feet six. And then the one that I have with the door in it is two seven. It's like wait, hmm. but it's like a metal door, so it's not like I can just cut off a piece. Right, yeah, <laughs> just that's way harder to mess with. But anyway, so I don't know. I'll have to figure that out. So yeah, and then I went to go. Uh, I was in Houston, uh, hung out with my brother. He gave me a cool flashlight, and we just sort of like hung out and exchange. And he actually gave me a, a bunch of little things just that he had. Uh, that they've got laying around. Yeah, I think he's usually got a lot of stuff laying around. Yeah, he's uh, he, whenever he like upgrades something of his, I think mm-hmm. he gives me the uh, the first gen, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is still awesome because I got this generator, so now I've got a generator at the house, and I got a three D printer, which he actually gave me, and he doesn't didn't upgrade. I thought he upgraded. He just gave it to me because he's like, well, you've done a lot of CAD stuff. It'd probably suit suit you better than me. And I was like, man, that, that's kind of fun. Maybe I can build some. Right, we'll build our D and D figurines or something. With right, that. yeah, that'd be fun. <laughs> that would actually and, be really uh, handy. Yeah, and then just, so I listened to the book on Sunday mostly. Uh, I listened to it a little bit during the week, uh, you know, every now and then. But uh, Probably the drive out to Houston. Yeah, that was where I did most of it. And uh, I was really able to focus because there was like a lot of just long 80 miles and then right. stay on 290. <laughs> you right. Because so he's up like on the north side, right? Yeah. So that's probably a pretty easy, like three and a half hour drive from, well, two, I guess you're two. on the north side of Austin, yeah, so it's a little the, bit. in the east side of Yeah, Austin that's true. Too, so. I'm thinking about from here. Yeah, that's probably a little bit easier. Yeah, it was about two and a half hours to get out there, but it, it was, <laughs> it was nice. And there were a few parts that I think I missed while I was working because I didn't stay fully focused. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely a thing. Like I'll definitely, I definitely did a better job of staying focused. Also, I didn't have to like really remember all the new things because I sort of had a foundation for what the story was. So I feel like it's always going to be easier for me, episode two, where I'm going to be like, all right, I know what's going on. Nothing's going to slip past me now. So listen to it then, and then I listened to it today at work. Uh, just a typical work day, super easy day. So that was my week. Nice. Yeah, no, it was a good week. <laughs> and then the book, dude, the book was getting, it's probably staying about the same good. I was said earlier that it was getting better, but I think it's probably about the same to me. Yeah. It didn't seem like, too, it's got it got exciting a little bit every now and then, but. Yeah, I think um, in the way that all the different stories aren't particularly related. Mm-hmm that helps it to just sort of like be able to just maintain at a pretty constant level instead of going up and down. Yeah, because he released it as five books, so I'm sure right. each one of those had to have the full plot structure of a book. Yeah. Or, you right. know, maybe without the full resolution that, that you mm-hmm. expect. But So we did chapters 13 to 24, through 24? Through 24. Cool, you want to get into it? Yeah. Awesome. Uh, so uh, chapter 13 starts off where obviously we left off. Vlad's about to dock with the beacon. So Mitch and Protag are waiting for him at the other airlock. He's a, look, I don't really want either of you on my beacon. Vlad, Vlad, Vlad boards. <laughs> There's Vlad. some talk about the bounty, same interaction he had with Mitch, but, you know, essentially almost immediately after that interaction happens, the proximity alert goes off again, ding dong, <laughs> and uh, Protag, Mitch, and Vlad go to Vlad's cockpit this time to see who's there. There's a third bounty hunter who doesn't talk. 
the uh, Mitch and Vlad who know who she is and seem to respect her. Yeah, they seem to show a lot of respect for her. It seemed like mostly it was O'Shea that showed a lot of respect for her. Mitch, but, uh, yeah, Mitch is the only one that says anything about it. Um, yeah, but... I think but, Mitch is just like, I don't like this, and Vlad says, I don't either. Yeah, I think then, Vlad just got all tense, you know, so you could tell it was right. making him clench his butt. And then Protag is like, who is that? Do y'all know her? And then Mitch has like a little thing about her. He's like, yeah, I think I worked with her once or got to see her work once. Yeah, we've ran into each other a couple times. <laughs> something like that. Vlad doesn't say anything. Um, but yeah, they talk a lot about uh, just like bad things come in threes. That's like how they started this whole book off. And here are three things that is just yeah, like three right off the bat. Three. Protag sees that the the, the the third bounty hunter ship is doing a Morse code thing with its light because she doesn't talk. Yeah. Giving off the same message that Vlad and Mitch said, I've got a warrant. Yeah, I want to die. Doing martial stuff, blah, blah, blah. So Protag says, okay, well, y'all go ahead and take off. She wants to duck. And I don't have any more docking space. Yeah, no more space. So they they he ships him off. Uh, O'Shea asks if he can get a head start. Bribes uh, him with a bit bribes of money. Bribes him with a little money and mm-hmm. just... Federation just money yeah, is what know. it calls it. So now we know that the government's called the Federation. What a... What a which probably what a won't cool matter, name. but <laughs> <laughs> what a typical sci-fi government name. <laughs> yeah, he didn't even really try all that hard, but that's all right. So, yeah, Federation money. <laughs> Currency, I think they said. Mm-hmm. Third vessel lands once the other two fly off. And they're waiting there for their uh, their data to get beamed to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, we find out that it's a ninja that's there. And like they, I think they meet in the airlock and he has a little memory about this show called Urban Ninja. And I did Google it right there. I was like, is there a show <laughs> called no. Urban Ninja? No, there's no Urban Ninja Detroit. That sounded dope, though. Right. That's <laughs> yeah. a show I would watch. I would watch it, too. I was going to watch it. I was like, man, I'm not even going to keep reading. I'm going to go switch over to Urban Ninja. And then it's just Urban like Ninja a, Detroit. It's just a pretend show he made up. Yeah. I guess let's pretend. You don't have to say both. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, you know, so he really likes this ninja girl. He ends up making her smile because like she just laughs because he's obviously been through the routine of what ban- bounty hunters want. They want the they want the uh, they want to know if you've seen their bounty, um, and they want you to give them all their ship logs and data. And right, then also, yeah. uh, was there a third thing? Or is it just those? Doesn't matter. I mean, yeah, they just yeah. they they all said the same thing. Yeah. They want their their data. And... He knows what the routine is at this point. Oh, and a head start. That's what she wanted. She wanted a head start too. That was the third thing. Yeah. He ends up giving her the first lead to the head start. Then O'Shea. Then I think he Vlad. sends it immediately. When we get to that point, but he I think what happens is he sends it to Ninja, then then sends it to Mitch five mm-hmm. minutes later, mm-hmm. and then twenty minutes later to Vlad. Yeah. Is how he works out the the deals that he worked out without the others knowing or whatever. Yeah. So, uh, oh, yeah, but I guess uh, that, that didn't once, even happen yeah, yet. They just... He agrees to all that, and then Ninja leaves. Yeah, Ninja um, leaves. Protag goes back to the command center to start beaming everybody that's scanning the logs, and the woman from the wanted posters is sitting in the chair. She says, those assholes gone? That was, that was <laughs> what she said. The woman sitting in the command chair, girl from the flyer. Chapter 14. Jesus, Scarlet, what the hell are you doing here? So we know that he knows her. He's been lying to these bounty hunters. Mm -hmm. Knows her pretty well because he knows her by a first name. He didn't just say, you're the girl in the bounty, or on the wanted pictures, you know? (laughs) I saw you one time in the cantina. (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, somebody that he obviously knows and knows personally. Yeah. He has a little internal dialogue trying to figure out how she got there. She likely stowed away on Mitch's ship and uh, got off Mitch's ship whenever they went into Vlad's ship to check the third yeah. thing. And uh, figures that she was probably the source that gave the tip to the bounty hunters to let them know that she was there uh, so that she could get there. Because she yeah. stows away on Mitch's ship with the purpose, we find out, of finding him. Yeah, our hero. Because she, yeah, need, she needs him to be a hero. Yeah. 
apparently had some old romantic relationship from back when they were both in the army. She seems to know how to get the truth out of him. I guess doesn't seem to know. He explicitly says that uh, he always ends up telling her the truth. She talks like every annoying revolutionary freedom fighter in every story ever. Seriously, it's it's very like if you can imagine what Will just said. Like just you don't yeah. need to. Re- you can skip <laughs> well, yeah, chapter you can fourteen. Skip this chapter, <laughs> imagine all of these stereotypical things that a freedom fighter that a. a uh, a starry-eyed freedom fighter says in any story, and that's the same thing that she says. We also kind of learn of the fascination that it seems like the author has with girls in red-ish hair, because this uh, first girl... This is one of two. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Yeah. yeah, so there's a... Yeah, this girl has red hair. Scarlet has... Just like her name, I guess. Yeah. She seems to believe that the protag can help end the war. Yeah, I want you to end this war. She is dead serious. I think those are the last words of chapter mm-hmm. 14. From chapter 15, Scarlet gives her pitch, uh, trying to sell this idea. She uh, brings out this old uh, paperback book that's part of a series that's popular with uh, what the protag describes as uh, is basically like required reading in the trenches. Yeah, it's just uh, it's just like, I don't know, I feel like it, it's that book that everybody hands around that like everybody's read. I don't know, what was the book that we all handed around uh, growing up, like, that everybody had read? I can't even think of one. Um, a lot of us read Redwall, the Redwall series. Yeah, that's true. I tried to get into it because of you guys, you and Blaze and Dakota and all them. Mm -hmm. I really liked it. I still like it. I haven't checked to see if any of them come come out lately. If they, if any of them have, I need to get on that shit because I like those books a lot. Yeah. Brian Um, Jakes. Brian Jakes, Sam Otto did the Castaway of the Flying Dutchman. Yeah, that series is really good I really like that series too. But, uh, but anyways, <laughs> yeah, this this series, the this series is about the war that's going on, or at least the early parts of the war. We maybe this war has been going on for a hundred years at this point. Who fucking knows? Yeah, it seems like they did kind of give us a little bit of insight it, to the war. It is still going on. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, it still might not be the same war that he seemed to end. Yeah, uh, they but that could have just, just been, been a battle like, of the, it, in the war. Yeah, know? it might have just been the battle that ended the, in his thing, or maybe there was an armistice after mm-hmm. that. So there was just like you know. A, 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 a temporary uh, truce in the war. Who knows? There's not a lot of details given, and I think for the better. We don't need to get bogged down with those. The, did you write down the name of these books that uh, that they handed out to each other? I don't know. I if did not write down the name. Yeah, me neither. It's just it, when she pulls out a copy of the book Scarlet, she shows our protagonist the. It's the a book. specific book. He immediately knows what it is. Yeah, he's like, and... oh, I recognize that. He starts to. She starts to flip it over, and he's like, uh, and the bald crest of the author's head started yeah. to show through his like, I don't give a shit face right. or whatever he said it was his description. And then she's like, this guy's not even real. Yeah. <laughs> she starts talking about the author and how he doesn't actually exist, and how the stories are actually repurposed reef stories, and how humans are the alien invaders. And how humans created this war because of all the bullshit stuff that we, the readers, all already know about humanity and all intelligent life not being able to exist without conflict, mm-hmm. except for the enlightened few that happen to that make up the resistance that will save all of existence by exposing the truth that everyone already knows. Like Scarlet. Yeah, like Scarlet. <laughs> it's just the same sort of... The, the freedom fighter finds some revolutionary truth that nobody ever knew mm-hmm. and... This is gonna, you know, blow everything wide open and blah blah blah. It's it's about how humanity and the the man is fucked up and the, yeah. you know they're doing it because of this it reason. Blah, blah blah. It's just the same. I think this is like probably has all the same sentiment that the uh, the the few speeches that are in like Fight Club have. Mm-hmm. The same sentiment that are is in. I mean, basically everything that has ever happened. 
anytime you get some sort of like a revolutionary situation going on uh, that's not based on a, a real story or whatever, mm-hmm. this is the same dialogue that happens every single time. And these kinds of characters are super fucking annoying to me. <laughs> uh, she did tell a kind of cool little story about how uh, when she started researching the the book and the author, how um, the actual author was like he's a translator, a, a top level CIA operative or something, whatever the equivalent is for the military of this universe. And he was a brief translator, found yeah. those books. Yeah, and then um, he just stole them. <laughs> yeah, stole them and then repurposed them so that they could be used. In fact, what, what she's getting, she doesn't outright say, but what she's getting at is that it's being used as propaganda yeah. to paint an image of the Reef as being the bad guys so that humanity doesn't feel bad about the war that's going on. Exactly, because when when they end up talking about those stories, she just says, like, just switch the characters, like, make us them and them us, and that's the war that we lived through <laughs> like that's literally what right. happened you know like and then there's a little bit where she talks about and then and i went and looked at all the other aliens that we've made contact with and looked through their culture and they've all got pop culture stories about invading aliens and blah 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 blah, blah. and then even the protagonist is like yeah i, I yeah. mean we're all afraid of what's out there in space because we don't know what's out there in space so fucking duh yeah. and then she immediately is just like no what that means is something some other bullshit about mm-hmm. fear and then he immediately yeah, buys into it. Yeah, they're trying to sell fear. Like, yeah, and he immediately buys into that. He's like, oh, no, yeah, you're right. Like, no, no I, mean, I mean, yeah, obviously everybody's going to write. We haven't met aliens at all yet. We, we're, you know, unless Area 51 and all that shit. But all of our pop culture about aliens is that they're going to come invade us. Mm-hmm. So, fucking duh. Yeah. It's just, it's just like, this is so cheap, in my opinion. <laughs> this whole, like, revolutionary argument thing happening here is just cheap. Yeah, it did kind of seem like a quick little, uh, just... Like he was writing this book, and he's like, "All right, I need to uh, make the character the, the this protagonist is a seem yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I need to make him seem like he's worth more than he is because I'm making everybody kind of not like him that much." Um, and then I, I don't mean, even know if it's just that because the only one that really believes in him to this degree is her for whatever reason. Yeah, that's true. I guess not for he whatever doesn't even reason. believe in him. He's yeah, like, this, just it's just like a, a way to get him to a point where he breaks down more, mm-hmm. so that he can then get fixed up a little bit more okay, and yeah. have a. a the further breakthrough that he has later on. Because, like, it, nothing's going to happen of this rebellion. Mm-hmm. At least not in this set of stories. If, if this universe continues in another set of stories that the mm-hmm. author wrote, then sure, we might visit this again. But this has nothing to do with anything else that's going to happen in yeah, this in at least 23. With these guys. <laughs> so, during chapter 15, Scarlet starts weaseling info out of uh, our hero, or the protagonist, you know, and uh, she starts to get him to tell his true account of what happened the that like you know d-day the or, last you know, day like he fought, the last yeah. day he fought and we learned that you know he's a little bit of a softy like he couldn't he couldn't detonate the bomb to yeah. kill an entire race of things yeah. because which is like he something felt that we, for wiping it out it's and something I, that he's already internally admitted earlier in the story right just without the level of detail mm-hmm. like we didn't know that it was a nuke that was in there all that all that he has said previously was just uh, a, a and I could have made that final push to wipe out several hives. And he would have killed but himself, But for some right? reason, yeah. Yeah. He knew that, and he said that it would have it would have taken him and two other platoons to do it. Oh, because it would have wiped all of them mm-hmm. out. Yeah. Okay. But for some reason, I didn't do it. And then that was the end of it. And, and they were making it sound like that would have ended, ended the, yeah. the whole It sort of made it seem like something happened, like he gets his injury and then comes to, and for whatever reason, something else happened that caused the battle to end that day. Yeah, which I'm still a little confused about, but he's the one that made it out, and basically everybody else in 
platoon B or the B B squad or whatever. Well, it's like, B company. B company, thank and you. And then his squad of B company gets wiped oh, out. Oh, there we go. Okay. Um, but the I think what ends up like finishing the fight for that day was just the the fact that the push happened at all, and the mm-hmm. reef were just because I, I think it mentions it at some point. And the reef were just like shit. They're like. We're going hard today. We're going to back off. Yeah, let's because yeah, he even talks about. I don't know why they stopped. Like why they're cheering for those guys stopping killing each other that day, but they're just going to kill each other tomorrow. Yeah, you know, like it doesn't make sense. But anyway, he said uh, the last sentence. Yeah, I think he said details. he was like, well, not even the last sentence, but a sentence he says is like, I couldn't do it because of the hive. Yeah, he was thinking about. He's thinking about because I guess the hive is like a breeding ground of some sort or something like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, he has a thought about how he can't kill all those lives that haven't had the chance to do anything wrong yeah. yet. Something like that. So it's like, you know, a bunch of, and that is such like a progressive like point of view too. Cause like mm-hmm. how often can you really sympathize with like the enemy? You know what I mean? Like right, it's so yeah. hard. It's so hard to put yourself in like their shoes and think like, would I be just like them? Like, if I was in Nazi Germany during the time of the Holocaust, like, would I have been adopted as a Nazi? And, like, I mean, I would have had to do it probably to keep my family alive. You know what I mean? Right, like, yeah. it wouldn't be just because, like, I, I love Jews, you know? Like, why would I, you know? And <laughs> There's so much context. Yeah, there's so much. Yeah, it's really interesting. That I mean, really changes how everything can be looked at in any given situation. Right. Uh, which is easy to forget a lot of times, and it seems like he, our guy is pretty open minded at least, and he and he put him he's sort of empathetic, you know, like he thinks about like mm-hmm. them as not just being the enemy but being sentient and um almost like worthy, like they are as good as human yeah. because like they can fight us just as good as we can fight like two common things that happen to soldiers and stories mm-hmm. and how you know, relatable that is the actual life. I have no idea. I was never in the military or anything like that. I have several military friends, but I've never talked to them about this sort of thing. But as far as stories go, there seem to be two very common arcs that a soldier takes. They either see a ton of war and become hardened to it and just continue on with it. And, you know, they just kill on orders and don't care. Mm-hmm. Uh, or they see a lot of war and then grow a new level of empathy because they get tired of all of the bad and all the violence that happens. Okay. Those seem to be the two predominant story arcs for a soldier in a lot of popular culture. Yeah. And he seems to be the latter, mm-hmm. where he gets a point, gets gets to a point where he's seen too much, he's lost so much, and he's just like, he's the, but at what cost? He's that guy, you know? Yeah, he's kind of building himself in this little, like, mental prison, and then he kind of puts, well, and then the beacon seems to be his little you know solitary confinement like i said last yeah, week you know, it's him it's, running away from everything yeah which he continues to talk about all the time and that's how you handle your issues in life you just run from them hell yeah i mean i ran to austin texas <laughs> yeah there you go don't face anything head on chapter 16 um, uh, in the fog of his admission of him being a traitor vlad interrupts i'm not gonna do my terrible vlad impersonation oh, it was good. It you was, should do it i liked it I don't it even... was as good as the narrator in the book <laughs> <laughs> It's, uh, just imagine I sound like an Eastern European. Bounties, how many in ship? I find it hard to believe you'd make two bounties like this. But I'm going through ship scans, and I see three warm on ship of yours. And I know you have no friends, no girlfriend. <laughs> so how you get so lucky, boy of bacon? Yeah. <laughs> Which is my, that's, probably, that's my favorite line so far, is boy of bacon. 
It's hilarious. One thing that I think they said in, back in chapter 13 that I'm going to bring up right now, Vlad says, what He's, happened arm or whatever, you know, like what happened in, in, uh, yeah. in our guy thinks he left out a non-critical word, which I thought was funny because that's probably how he talks now. Having not talked to so many people, like he probably forgets certain words, you know, Maybe He's like, so. he said everything. I think it's he just, couldn't even it, remember it what in, the word was that he forgot was the point. He said he left out a non-critical word, but like the, yeah. the point that he said non-critical was. Because he couldn't remember what word he said, like what word he was forgetting. At least that's the way I interpreted. Mm. I think that's just his snarky humor. Is the way that I looked at it. Oh, okay. Been like left out a couple of non-critical words there, buddy. He just thought that, didn't he? (laughs) Yo, he just thought that, but he—I would imagine that he would think to himself in the same sort of snarkiness. See, I thought it a little differently, but hmm. okay. It's also just an interesting way to describe somebody that has broken English. Yeah. Uh, leaving no, out non-vital, non-critical words, like yeah, that's the perfect explanation of what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got they the get the main words that help you understand what it is they're talking about, but they're leaving out a the there or something like that. Yeah, so he, uh, so Vlad calls him boy of bacon, and like, why do you have three life signals, and now you only have two? Mm-hmm. So they're figuring out what happened. Yeah, the, the bounty hunters figure out what went on. Scar is like shit. Yeah, blows up Vlad. <laughs> yeah, she apparently dropped a nuke or dropped a mine on Vlad's ship when she was hopping from O'Shea to uh, the Beacon, mm-hmm. and uh, just while they were inside Vlad's ship, I guess she just popped, yeah, she popped just a nuke in there, drops a little mine in there, yeah, mine, and the uh, probably like the airlock or whatever is what protagonist uh, theorizes. Yeah. So then Vlad blows up. Mitch starts heading towards the Beacon. Hails the Beacon and is like, hey. Uh, what's going on? Well, not what's going on, but like I'm, I'm coming. Yeah, I'm coming to get you. Blah blah. blah. Scarlet takes the radio and says, "You need to turn around, or I'm going to blow you up." Mitch calls her bluff. He's like, "You're uh, you would have done sorry, already. You would have done already, idiot. I'm coming." So then Scarlet ends up convincing protagonist to help her fight Mitch. Yeah, right after she jokes about killing him too, she's like, uh, "She's like, I'll kill this beacon operator if you come." And he's like, "For fifty mil or fifty whatever it is, the fifty million credits or yeah, whatever I'll kill it is, him. I'll kill him." <laughs> I'll I'll fuck yeah, I don't give a shit. Yeah, and so I'm then a bounty hunter. Scarlet convinces Protag to help her fight because he's a sucker. Yeah, that's a good way to say it. He's a sucker. So they do all this preparation. Mitch docks, and the fight starts. They incapacitate the Warthen. Yeah, Cricket, the Warthen. That, that, yeah, Cricket. That, that the, mountain lion dog thing. Yeah, Cricket ends up coming through first, and they throw like a it's big like old a blanket big old, over. Yeah. Uh, like it, we also learned that the protagonist has a soft spot for uh, creatures and stuff too, because like he couldn't shoot Cricket. At least it seemed like that to me, because because he, he instead he's like I couldn't pull the trigger, but so I instead I yelled do it just do it and she's like she's like oh okay and then she throws the blanket on the warden yeah incapacitates it, um, O'Shea comes in, I thought he shot the blaster and well O'Shea rolls in a flashbang oh that's what it was a flashbang and so that's why he loses he like uh you know gets some distort uh, he can't figure out what's going on. and then he just kind of blind fires. Hears, knows that he misses because he hears the sizzle of metal. So mm-hmm. he, the blaster hit like some, the bulkhead or whatever. And then Scarlet takes the gun from him and starts shooting. Mm. Uh, and then there's a, a point where the protagonist has this little inner dialogue about how he remembers assuming that Mitch probably did most of his work on the ground and wasn't a big, uh, didn't have a sea leg, so to speak. So yeah. He hits one of his kill switches that the he set up for the anti-grav. So then the... the Grav goes out and he's floating around. So then Mitch like throws up because he doesn't like the yeah. Zero he said G. it like it pulled up his stomach, so it made him feel like like when they hit the zero G. There was like a gravity. lot of description yeah. of what it's like whenever you first hit zero G. 
about how it's like cresting a hill in your vehicle and catching oh, a little yeah, bit of air. Yeah. Uh, so Nilly-nillies. Mitch loses his shit because he hates being in zero G, isn't used to it. Yeah, just throw uh, up. Like throws up and fight. then there's a, the, he, I can't remember exactly what it is, but he does something with a grenade. It blows up. Mitch dies. Yeah. I think, uh, I think it chapter. just like the gravity fucks him up because I'm pretty sure he like goes to throw the grenade and then it doesn't throw and he ends up like swinging back to like reposition himself because like he gets twisted around because he tries to jump and I think he gets stuck in the middle of the you know, space because he doesn't have because he's floating and then he doesn't know how to no, I think what happens gravity. is the protagonist shoots himself off to go tackle uh, Mitch, oh. and then uh, they tussle a little bit. Mitch uh, drops his gun, and then he reaches for it and grabs it, but protagonist had grabbed a grenade off of his bandolier or whatever oh. and threw it at him and then tried to get away or whatever. And then, uh, I'm pretty sure that's how it goes. See, yeah, I, thought it, really matter, I thought it was just a Butterfingers type situation. Like I thought, uh, honestly, I thought O'Shea just kind of killed himself because he couldn't handle the anti-gravity and he went to uh, throw, I, went, I thought he went to throw a grenade and it didn't really work. It threw him off balance and then he blew. either way he dies. And, yeah. Um, and then that's the end of the chapter. Yeah, that's the end. Chapter, chapter 17, 17, the protagonist is still in the midst of getting blasted back onto the ship. Still weightless, I think. They figure out what to do with the war, then they release it onto Mitch's, Mitch's ship. They put the gravity back on. Close the airlock to Mitch's ship. They'll figure out what to do with the war then later. And then there's a little bit of talking, uh, a little bit of romantic stuff going on, and then the uh, ninja bounty hunter just sneaks on and kills... Scarlet. How did she kill Scarlet? I must have missed that. She's got a gun. I honestly thought Scarlet got blasted in the fight. And nah. that we just ended up seeing it later. No. But uh, it explicitly says that the ninja uh, Scarlet dies in protagonist's arms. Yeah, and as she that. falls, ninja bounty hunter is there with a silenced gun. Oh. I, I didn't think she's there with a silenced gun because she just used it. <laughs> I thought she's there and has a gun as well. And I was like, okay, and it's pointed at, at you know, our guy, you know, and it's mm-hmm. pointed at the protagonist, but yeah, okay, no, that makes more sense. Okay. Because the, uh... then he has like a freaking a moment where he's like, so many times have I been like, you know, faced with death and just like now I'm, I'm just like, I'm going to embrace it. And uh, he's like almost ready for the, the ninja woman to kill him. And uh, she doesn't. She just takes Scarlet and leaves <laughs> for yeah. her 50 million bounty. After that, I think uh, protagonist he goes to... immediately goes to the airlock after Ninja leaves mm-hmm. and uh, does this thing where he enters most of the code to release the airlock, uh, but then can't push the last button. And then he talks about how he does that every night uh, and never goes through with it. Mm-hmm. Then that's, that's the end I of think, the chapter. Doesn't he, does he not go on to, uh, to O'Shea's ship at that point as well and uh, tell Cricket to come and attack him? Yeah. He does do that. Because he goes on to O'Shea's I forgot ship, about that. Yeah, that's like, his first thing. Is yeah, he wants go Cricket there. to attack him so that he can just have... It basically like a suicide by police or whatever, you know? Like you pull your gun on the cops. Right. And then they mm-hmm. kill you because you pulled a gun on them. You know, like yeah. some people do that. Like that's what they were trying to do at the, the first episode of Breaking Bad. Suicide by the police or whatever. Like you pulled a gun out on them knowing that they were probably going to kill him. And then he goes to kill himself and then yeah anyway yeah cricket ends up uh, rubbing up on his legs and starts living on him like a sweet little leopard dog leopard golden <laughs> or wait leopard lab what does it say yeah, labrador yeah i think he that's the the cross that he comes up with is like labrador and leopard or whatever labrador anyway then it's yeah. chapter 18 there's another beacon out there new beacon 
Yeah, it's uh, referred to as a blinking star. Sounds just, to me, the way they describe it, it sounds like an annoying light that's not turning off at night. Yeah. But he ends up saying, like, how did I pass the time before this beacon was out there, like, for me to look at? And he even goes through mental uh, things where he thinks about, you know, other ships have used this as a waypoint to get out to the, uh, you know, on their journeys or whatever. Yeah, like so, like, this might not even be, of, yeah. like, a permanent beacon. But, but then he puts on the QT to NASA to ask what's going on and they said no it's a new beacon it's just a redundancy thing since you fucked up we need another one out there <laughs> yeah they don't say that explicitly but that's what it is yeah all that freaking debris he surmises yeah and then we learned that Cricket has become Protag's pet he hid her in the GWB tower when the people came to retrieve Mitch's corpse in his ship when NASA came and then the, the, after that, this whole chapter is just introspection. Oh, we also learned that uh, that Cricket gets um, drunk off the GWB or GWB, yeah, B, because he puts her puts her up in the in the room with it, mm-hmm. and then he said when he pulled her out, she's a little loopy. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. The, that um, probably didn't matter, but I just thought it was funny. Oh yeah, it's just all a bunch of introspection. He's really hard on Thinks himself. Thinks about a bunch of stuff that happened, and then the way there's a bunch of talk about. You know, relationships and the army and stuff like that and how people in the army deal with that sort of thing yeah i think also at one point probably what takes him down that uh depression loophole or rabbit hole or whatever was like he there was a a ship that passed by that had a lot of his ex not ex but people from the same company he was in and he yeah. assumes some of them may have been if any of them are still alive some of them may have been people that he served with in that same company yeah so he does like his little silent salute and his beacon to that passing uh yeah. ship you know and uh, that probably got the the memory wheels rolling or whatever right and we uh, also find out that cricket has been keeping the protagonist away from the airlock in his suicide ritual yeah the uh that's the end of the chapter effectively chapter 19 Cricket's freaking out about something and gets his attention to look out at the beacon. The beacon is... The, the lights are sending out an SOS. It's a dot, Morse dot, code dot, light. Dash, yeah. dash, dash, dot, dot, dot. SOS. Yeah, so they're sending out an SOS. He goes with Cricket. He puts on his life boat, his life suit. Sorry, his, like, basically his space his suit. suit. Yeah, yeah, his walk suit. And then his the lifeboat, which is his... Uh, his extra little spaceship, and he goes out to go check on the SOS. I don't even think he tells NASA. I think he just he goes. sends out a message. Oh, okay. He's like, "There's an SOS coming from the other beacon," and then he just goes because he uh, he there's a there's a little talk about how he uh, he doesn't wait for a response from NASA because in space, whenever somebody's in trouble, you immediately go. Mm-hmm. Nobody would be able to survive if that wasn't like the unspoken gotcha. thing. And uh, I don't know if it was this chapter or the last chapter where they talk about Warthens being... I think he talks about it a little bit here. Okay. Saying that he sort of realizes that... Cricket's an empath. Yeah, it's able to not only just feed off of his emotions like, you know, dogs and cats Mm -hmm. and, you know, other animals do, but also seems to be able to get some of his thoughts. And it seems to be thoughts that are just of like a, I don't know, like a basic nature. Like he probably could think of like a picture of... Of, mm-hmm. uh, of Cricket laying down and Cricket would probably lay down, you know? But, yeah, uh, yeah. But, you know, I don't... Not full-on mind reading, but right. he, he's able to get, like, the Cricket's able to get the gist of what well, yeah, Cricket, he's trying to put across, Cricket you know? doesn't know English, so... <laughs> so he goes to go check it out um, as he's getting close to the He brings Cricket beacon. with him. Well, Cricket... Yeah, he brings, brings himself. Cricket, yeah, <laughs> Cricket brings herself. The, uh, so as he's getting closer to the beacon, he sees uh, the number on the beacon. It's beacon 1529. Oh, I didn't even remember that. I wonder if that matters. 1529. Yeah, it may or may not. I mean, it's uh, 
It's a it's a permanent installation unless in the next section it gets blown up. Yeah, <laughs> it's a. I think it's just to give some perspective. He has a That's thought about it. For. The um, so he docks as he's docking. His uh, ship is reading that there's no atmosphere reading being given out by the beacon so that's why he suits up all the way to go onto the beacon and there's the beacon chapter 20 he's going through the beacon he ends up getting up to the uh where the command center is yeah he goes around checking other rooms like the other the living the quarters other and that sort of the thing. Other living, yeah, yeah doesn't he... find anything mm-hmm. gets to the command center and there's legs sticking out from under the command like desk or whatever like in the wizard of oz with the witch in the house yeah (laughs) (laughs) i guess yeah touches it it kind of kicks back and then he like grabs it again to like pull it out or whatever and she is like what the fuck is going on (laughs) yeah who's grabbing me and so that that's the end of the that chapter so then start of the chapter we realize having found this woman who's alive and not dead in the zero atmosphere. This is how we figure out that there's actually atmosphere in the beacon. There's nothing going on. Oh, see, I thought that happened in the chapter two. It might happen but, yeah, right before that. It seemed like all of chapter 20 was we go in, we meet this person who we find out is a, a tuner. They, they go in to fix the ship and calibrate it, make sure it's working working properly. Mm-hmm. Um, we kind of... we. It was funny the way you said it earlier. Um, it's a very long roundabout way of the... The protagonist just not giving his name. Yeah, to they do, yeah, they do introductions. Find out her name is Claire. She's a tuner, like you were saying. Uh, her whole thing is sorry going out and getting the beacons ready for the operators. She complains about how NASA's built a couple of thousand of these things and they still can't get it right mm-hmm. so that it just fucking works the first time. Right. <laughs> she yeah. has to go out and get them working. She also has rust brown hair, so, you know, red. Mm-hmm. There's a hue of red She's in there. She's got a bit of an affinity for redheads, this author. Yeah. Hugh Which Harry. I get, you know. No, I can get that, yeah. <laughs> I think they talk about the wartime, too. They, he doesn't learn much about her, like, uh, if, you know, if she was in the war or anything, but he... Says uh, does, his, yeah, he, his name was Digger because he was going to be too. That was Digger. his call sign as a uh, pilot. Uh, okay, and yeah. then there's this yeah short it's story about how it's like his uh, his um, the, squad the CEO was just like it caught him like picking his nose or whatever. It was like, oh, you're not Tomb Digger, you're just Digger, <laughs> you're and just like giving digger. him shit about it or whatever. So then it stuck. I'm yeah, like, God, that was a lot of effort. For us to not find out the protagonist's name. Yeah, and a whole backstory about this fake name. <laughs> but anyway, so they end up getting whatever she was working on working again. Uh, you know, teamwork. And then close the chapter. 21. Chapter 21, he goes back to the beacon. To beacon back, 23. Back home to 23. And then it's just a ton of internal dialogue about relationships. He said, he's like, this place feels tired. But, I mean, that makes sense after you tell me what number we're on. We're on 1529. Yeah, we've got this spanking new beacon yeah. that hasn't had anybody operate it yet. It's, it's got so a really it's, pretty you know, girl like in a, it. Like he's it's just, like a fresh yeah. car. Yeah. Yeah, those come with pretty girls in them too, right? Sometimes, I assume. Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so he's hanging out with Cricket. We end up learning about his best friend Hank from his uh, from Company B or whatever. And, mm-hmm. um he talks about how he only knew Hank for two weeks, but that's enough time to know that like you truly care about somebody or whatever. And uh, he ends up saying at this point that he's kind of afraid to commit to anybody, even on a friend level, because mm-hmm. he knows that at some point they're going to die or they're going to leave or you know he's going to fuck up right, or something. Yeah. You know, it can't be perfect. 
And uh, you know that's no reason, no way to live. You can't live just thinking about all the negative stuff that's gonna happen. Of course they're gonna leave, but you gotta enjoy the time that they're there. Like, come on, man. <laughs> anyway, so we're on twenty two. Yes, move on to twenty two. Yeah, not much happened that last chapter. He's having, yeah, it's just all the introspection about relationships. Mm-hmm. So chapter twenty two, he's dreaming about his old company. He's having like several nightmares at once. Yeah, like the you're wake up in school with no clothes on or whatever, and he ends up peeing his pants, and like that was a whole there were yeah, there's a, there's a bunch of stuff going no on. on but. And then the, all the nightmares sort of coalesce into one thing, and then he gets waken, woken up by Claire on the radio. She's uh, sleeping with Cricket. Cricket's in the bed with him. He's cute. <laughs> so uh, he, he wakes up, rushes to the command center to respond to Claire. What she, she needs him to do a favor. She can't get her GWB to calibrate because of all the debris, so she wants him to send out uh, a, a big blast from his GWB. Give me those old Beacon 23 files. Well, what uh, it, it's not like a file transmission. What, what he does, <laughs> <laughs> but no, say it, say it. Uh, he what it, I think what it, what it says is that he um, tells it to do like a full blast or something like oh, that. Oh, okay, cool. So that it can it already being calibrated to everything that's in the area can get the proper reading and a big blast, and then so that her GWB can pull off of that. Oh, okay, that makes sense. See, I didn't realize that. It just seemed to me like she just got data from him, but. The whole point of it was just that he was he was excited that this girl called him in the middle of the night, and he thought that she wanted him to come over and help out with something. Right. Yeah. And, uh, not even sexual. He just wanted to hang out with a buddy. <laughs> you know, he's yeah. excited for company. Right. Literal just friendship. So he does his favor, and, uh, and then she says uh, something. You know, thanks. If there was a bar nearby, I would I'd buy you a drink. Yeah. If there's, ha, ha, ha. Yeah, if there's a bar within spitting distance, I'd buy you a drink. And he's like, I've got something better. And he goes over to her crib. Yeah, we got a what you doing situation. You up? <laughs> you up? There is a uh, so then chapter twenty three starts. He brings some WD forty as a joke for a beacon warming present. WD eighty. Yeah, it's WD forty. It's better. It's eighty. It's, it's, 80. it's <laughs> forty formulas later. Yeah. Oh, is that what the forty stands for? <laughs> yeah. It's a, so WD forty water displacement formula forty. Oh, okay. The formula eighties for space stuff. Is space copyright purposes? Oh yeah. <laughs> We learned that she was in the army. Yeah, uh, he, so yeah, he, he brings the WD-40 as a joke, but what he really wants to do is show her how the GWB gives you a buzz. Oh, yeah, yeah. So they go to the GWB in the new beacon, they sit down around the GWB and they're just kind of chilling, and then he asks what she did before being a right. tuner, finds out that she was in the army, not only was she in the army, but she was in Company A, who yeah. was there for the same push that he was there for the day that he, you know, the last day that he fought. That was a bit of some, like a mental... talk about oh. that. Yeah, he's like, oh shit, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, he gets really conflicted about everything and then uh, he leaves the beacon. Yeah, the day the day kind of comes to a close. He, he kind of thinks about how like, as there, as she's walking him to his lifeboat, he's like, this kind of like the end of a date, how like she could be walking me to my car or my house or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they got kind of a little vibe together, like uh, do like he didn't know if like she was gonna kiss him or if like they were gonna kiss or if there was anything there, and there wasn't. She was just right. she ends up just saying like he, he ends up like I think he ends up seeing like the look on her face, and it's not a look of lust; it's a look of like, are you okay? Like if there's anything that I can ever like, if you ever need anyone to talk to. <laughs> I'll be right, there for you. Yeah. And he's just like, what good does talking ever do? And he's just kind of, and then he goes down his freaking dark little self pity rabbit hole, and uh, and then he gets into his lifeboat, and he thinks about the, some of the stuff that she said, uh, you know, hindsight twenty twenty, and he's like, she's going back to Houston in a few days, a glancing ray of sunshine, or 
death without dying. It's just like Jesus, dude. Yeah. He's just so like dark, and and he's talking about how she's only there for a couple days, so she's gonna be like that glancing ray of sunshine that leaves right after, like mm-hmm. the, like right after you get used to it. And he he basically just says it again, like I can't commit because she's leaving already. Like right, she's leaving yeah. in three days. I can't be friends with this person. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sorry, exactly sorry to just sort is. of talk. talk no, about no. Him, that's, yeah. I mean, that's that, that's all that it is, really. I mean, that's not all that it is. He's got like. He's for the same reason that he ran out of bed to go answer the radio for the same reason that whenever he finished with the favor and she made a joke about drinks, he was sort of conflicted for a second. He was like, he, he wants to go see her, but he he's conflicted because he knows he doesn't want to get close. Probably has anxiety to figure too. It out. Yeah. And he's sort of like built because he's certainly after Scarlet dying in his arms not too long ago. And this being the first woman that he's seen in a while and she's he's sort of putting her on a pedestal whenever he first sees her he talks about how she's like the most gorgeous thing ever but he, internally he realizes that it may just be because he hasn't seen anybody in a while yeah. period that he's just super excited about having someone to talk to or maybe she just is that beautiful he doesn't really know yeah and so he's yeah he just keeps building her up to be the saint figure sounds accurate claire's pretty sweet she, I mean, yeah, but she's really she's probably just as normal a person as anybody else. <laughs> it's just that the protagonist is building her up so that she it can mean that much more when she comes down to his uh, level in a minute. They're doing an up yeah, on us. It's just storytelling. They're getting us like yeah. they did with Up, how they make you fall in love yeah. with that dude. It's storytelling in a really realistic fashion because I mean I've definitely put people on pedestals that they. Uh, not that they didn't deserve to be thought of highly, but there's no reason for them to be put on a pedestal right. like I put them on. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. definitely sanctified people. Dude, I did that the other day when Ari Shafir came into town uh, for his uh, comedy show at uh, Cap City. He stayed after for like 10 minutes, and I like had a freaking panic attack. Like I got starstruck. Like I couldn't, like I put him on this pedestal, like, oh, he didn't <laughs> want to talk to me or whatever. Right. And, uh, and then Bailey was like, what are you doing? Like, come inside. Like, he's right there. Like, we need to meet him. And I was like, no, no, it's okay. And she's like, well, I want to get a picture with him. So you have to come and <laughs> take a picture. So I ended up going in, and I had a little like present for him that I gave him that was cool. So, but anyway, like I got super starstruck, and I couldn't handle like going in to see this mm-hmm. guy that I put on some pedestal, and he literally is not even going to remember what I look like. You know what I mean? So, like, it's just, why would I care so much? So that's the the end of the chapter. Um, Chapter 24 starts out him going on about relationships in the Army and how people deal with those relationships, about how Army hate and Army love can take no time to develop and disappear just as quickly. And then there's a guy named Tex who... Well, that's a little bit later in the in this chapter, but it's, it's just all more talk about relationships and separating yourself from them and all this sort of stuff and everything that he's been doing. Yeah, he talks kind of about how he became an asshole by the end of his first uh, tour of duty, which is the thing he said or what he wouldn't Yeah, be. what he called assholes in the beginning, but yeah. then he sort of came to realize that that's not what they were. They're just like it him was now, just like, yeah, where he doesn't want where to they get would to know anybody. give you all the advice in the world about how to survive because they want you to survive, but they don't want to know your name and they don't want to know your backstory because everybody's afraid of getting attached and losing another person. And especially if you're in like a teaching uh, position or whatever, or like a leadership position and you're not actually out there risking... I mean, you could be out there risking, but if you're not necessarily... Uh, on the front line then i mean you know for sure if you got dudes on the front line you're gonna lose some like right that's the front line well dude. everybody that he talks about in this situation is on the front line because uh-huh. they're all at the offensive yeah the you're um, gonna lose somebody though man like just yeah. the front line anyway claire surprised him yeah she just shows up unannounced Hello. 
Cricket freaks out and uh, rushes down there, pins her down on the ground. He rushes down there, gets Cricket to chill out. Um, he thinks it really, really loudly, like, sit. (laughs) And so this is Cricket being revealed to another person. She's like, that's super not regulation. You can't be doing that. What is wrong with you? She ended up being super great with it, though. Like, Cricket is just Yeah, after she gets over the initial fear, she's like, what is that? It's the the curiosity of an engineer. And she, like, goes and loves on it and pets on it like a regular dog or leopard pet. (laughs) leopard. (laughs) Like a regular old house leopard. Yeah. And she she ends up like kind of confronting him like how come yeah she's over the, he's like what the fuck are you doing here and she's like I came over to see if there's anything I could do because I'm gonna be leaving soon blah blah yeah, you kind of mentioned that your beacon's all messed up like right. I thought I could help I'm a tuner <laughs> and then he uh, he's pushing her away because of everything that we've been talking about everything yeah. that he's been talking about and, and she then calls she, him on it yeah calls him on it she last second like reaches out and grabs her because he realizes that he can't actually handle her he doesn't want her to go blah blah and then there's a there's a confrontation about it. Her calling him out on the bullshit, him. Yeah, because he's not unique, and she's exactly like him. And then we you know, we end up finding that she's got she's like, got some sort of scar as well. Yeah, that um, was cool. And then uh, so you know she's the same as him. Blah blah blah. She literally had like the same wound. Like they both got gutted by a the way that or it, something. the way that it sort of describes his is that it's just like one big tear. Mm-hmm. Hers he describes as being like a spider web of scarring. Oh okay. So it might be well, a little bit different, but yeah. you know. A, a mortal wound, nearly all the same. Yeah, I can't imagine. Yeah, so then the, the, he calls him on his bullshit. He realizes, like, oh, I'm not special in my sadness. Yeah. You know, every, everybody that went through what we went through is fucked up, and I'm not the only one that's super fucked up about the war. And everybody cries for a bit, and that's about it. That's the end. Yeah, it kind of gave you a little vibe that there might be a little sexual tension there. There probably isn't, because he ends up saying, gone is the allure of having sex with this woman. Gone is the allure of us growing old together and having kids and a normal life and blah, blah, blah. He ends up just kind of... I think that could have also been him doing the self-pity thing, where he's just beating himself up and super down, but I I don't think that anything physically yeah, romantic happens. I think, I what, think it's just... I think what all that dialogue is supposed to... At least what it, it gave off to me was that, because he did talked earlier about, I mean, a, a couple of previous chapters, like, I think maybe whenever he was over at the other beacon for the second time, mm-hmm. uh, he talks about how sex is just, like, ultra casual in the army because, it's like, what else are we going to do and we're going to die tomorrow, so whatever. Right. So he thinks that maybe that's something that could, but not, and he never says that he's looking forward to it maybe being on the table in mm-hmm. this situation but he just doesn't know if he, it is yeah exactly he's, he's just, just confused is it something that might happen is it not something that might happen he doesn't really know how he feels about either mm-hmm. option he's also been kind of out of the loop too like, you know being up in that beacon for six months or probably right. eight or nine months now and so then this part is where he he's supposed to be letting go of all the old preconceptions and all the old habits that he had from being in the army and being closed off and callous to everything. So he's not... Gone is the allure of having sex with this woman, even in a casual state, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, because that's not something that he is going to... that he would do anymore because now he's releasing all of that old him. Yeah. Is apparently what's happening now. That's a good way to say it. That's probably exactly what they were doing. Yes, it said, A fellow wounded, and they cry like the universe is about to end. And that's the end of the chapter. Yeah, that was twenty four. So we just got here here to the end, and then we're we're done with this this mm-hmm. series. You know, I've got a bit of a head start because <laughs> I accidentally read chapter twenty five when I was reading, and then today when I was doing my notes, I accidentally read chapter twenty five and did notes on chapter twenty five. Oh, you're just ahead for next week. You're yeah, ready. I've got um, one. I'm five pages ahead of everybody. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I mean, from here to the end, we got it. So, yeah. it's, I mean, it's only about two more hours of audio. I can't. How, it's how just another it twelve chapters, isn't it? Um, oh, to to read them all. God, I, I really don't know. Um, I'm a super slow reader, so I mean, when I read it, I yeah. take my sweet time. I think I'm relatively medium speed. It depends on what's going on. I can definitely get distracted and have to read mm-hmm. over and over oh, again. Yeah, but yeah. if I'm able to focus and get through it, I think I could probably kill these next 12 chapters and pretty pretty easily two and a half to three hours, I oh, okay, think. cool. Yeah, so about the same. And then uh, next week, uh, did you want to decide on yeah, the next Yeah, we should probably go book? ahead and choose another book next week as yeah. well. Yeah, I, uh, I think it would be fun to table the two we have and uh, get a whole new set and potentially a whole new set with a whole new genre that we haven't touched yet because I thought it was a lot of fun how we went from a modern fantasy to a science fiction. Mm-hmm. In a, so they just totally change tack again. Either do that, or we go back, or we go to a full fantasy, or like an older fantasy. You know, like mm-hmm. we could do that, like a medieval style fantasy, or we could even just go like straight, like let's read a horror book, or let's read a rom- not romance, yeah. let's read a I don't want to read no. a romance novel. On here. Let's That'd read a romance novel. <laughs> the, short, the sword and the sheath. The sword and the sheath, that classic. <laughs> and uh, so I don't know. Shout I thought it might be read. F- yeah, and uh, I thought it might be fun to uh, maybe get a. I don't know, a different book like that. like a, I think that's a good idea. And then we keep hopping around like this, for mm-hmm. sure. And, um, and then we can obviously revisit any of them. We can but like a mystery could be up. kind of fun. Because in the same way that we had some like predictions that we were trying to make with Never, Neverwhere, mm-hmm. in the way that we made Game of Thrones predictions, you know, yeah. where it's just like a narrative prediction, where is this going to go? Mystery predictions are like a whole other game of predictions. Oh, yeah, and that's all they're writing about, too, just... It's that's, yeah, that's like the, the whole point. point is like giving you red herrings and to leads going this direction. You know, it's yeah, it's a giant puzzle. Yeah. It's a narrative puzzle. That that could definitely be cool. I think I think you're right. We should definitely jump to a different. Not do either modern fantasy or sci-fi again in, in this next book. Move yeah. on to something completely different. I definitely do want to read those other two books. I don't know if that's something you want to do. Just maybe on the side and just like we could have just a a blast episode where we talk about the book or I mean we well, could Warbreaker even... is a full on fantasy yeah so that could that be part our... of the running yeah um, that would be fun Saturn Run seems like it's going to be hard sci-fi just, so just that like might this, need yeah. to be for later down the road because yeah. that's going to be I don't want to assume that it will be a bit of a slog but it could be a bit of a slog yeah and it may end beginning. up being one that we should just do like a one episode or on yeah where we read the whole thing and then just talk about it in one episode. Yeah. Just one like hour and a half, mm-hmm. you know, deal. But yeah, so we'll, yeah, we'll pick no. a book next week as well. Yeah, thoughts on that would be appreciated. So tweet at us, uh, hit us up on the social media. Yeah, if anybody has suggestions, throw those to us and we'll take them into consideration. Yeah, ears underscore stamps. Is yeah, at ears handle. underscore stamps on Twitter. Instagram. As well as on Instagram. I'm at I throw napalm on Instagram. That's all the social media presence that we really yeah, have. Dog ears and timestamps at gmail.com if you want to email us. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, other than that, it's pretty much, we're going to knock this book out. One more week, guys. We got this. We're almost through it. Yeah. Well, it'll be, I'm interested to see, one, how the Claire thing ends, mm-hmm. and then two, whatever the the third and final arc is going to be. Well, I guess, whatever the, the it's, it's not, yeah, because we had, first was Wreck, second was Rocky. Third was, Third was uh, the bounty bounties. Hunters. The fourth one being fourth companion. Being the companion uh, so we've got beacon. maybe the 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 ending of the Claire thing, and then one more, or maybe even two more short stories. Yeah, maybe even two fused into one book because it's it's the end of this universe as we know it, you know, or at least as he's written so far. So I think there's more that takes place in the universe. Oh, okay. But this will be it for Beacon Twenty Three, right? 
the cool, uh, yeah, camp. No, that'll be we'll fun see to see what happens. happens. So we'll uh, we'll talk to you all next week. I'm Will Hedrick. And I'm Jordan Schaffer. And this was Dog Ears and Timestamps. Fucking Atlanta has 20 points. The Giants have 12 points. They're about to kick a field goal to make it 15 points. How is Atlanta only 5 points ahead of the Giants? It was the second worst team in the league. It's pathetic. That's why you lost the Super Bowl, Matt Ryan. <laughs>